Welcome to the Leadership of Fools. We are about to up anchor and set sail into the heady ocean of business dilemmas and discussions. Nothing's going to stop us. On today's episode of Leadership of Fools, we tackle the dilemma of movements such as Me Too and what that means for every leader. The conversation allows us to put up a mirror to our behaviour. There's a moment when we can now recognise that there's no more excuses. And we provide some answers for leaders, especially what can you do in a practical, helpful way. Today's guests, Nat Fian and Kate Tempe. Nat is an absolute guru when it comes to marketing and someone who's especially passionate about the whole digital landscape. Kate is especially passionate about people, leadership and finance and was recently a contestant on Australian Survivor. Greetings, fair traveller. Hello and welcome to the Leadership of Fools. My name's Amanda Buckley and I am at the wheel. Is it called a wheel? It's a wheel. I'm calling it a wheel of the ship today, setting sail on these seas of chat. Joining me as always is my favourite first mate, the person who looks at me when I'm spinning the wheel and about to crash into a rock. <laughs> Iceberg, he yells, uh, is Colin Beatty. Hello, Colin. Hi, Amanda. Fantastic again to be with you. We have some good times, don't we? Absolutely, we do. Remember that last time we had? I remember it very well. Wasn't it good? I loved it. See, good times. <laughs> Colin, today i we're going to talk some talk. And before we get to that and we get to our amazing guests, um, I would like to ask you, what's an achievement you are proud of? Um, this is an audio format and people can't necessarily picture me, but I'm about five foot eight in the old, uh, which is, what is it? I don't know, 175 centimetres. And yet in under 14s, I got a top five players in basketball in the state of Victoria, which for those of you who don't know is a, a state, know, in, state Australia. in Australia. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. And so I'm just, I share that with you because I never, uh, basketball was a passion and a love, but, and I'm very proud of it, but I never reached six foot and my dream was killed that moment that I never reached six foot. Joined on the ship today, we have Nat Fian and Kate Temby. I'm going to ask you guys the same questions because I am very excited to find out what achievements you are proud of. Nat, we'll start with you. And it was specifically non-work related. Oh. So I was just reflecting back and I was thinking about uh, I joined the Scouts when I was quite young and I was one of the first girls to join Scouts and there was this competition camp. So it was a divisional camp with like you know thousands of boys and I had to be what they called a patrol leader of this group of boys for a competition camp where you get marked on setting up tents and how well you cook and all that sort of thing and I was able to lead this group of boys who I didn't really know and win the award for the divisional best camp yeah, and I remember did. being very excited <laughs> that I'd yeah. been able to um, lead this group of delinquent boys. <gasps> You should have this on your CV. That's maybe right. I will I'm, put it on yeah. my CV. I yeah. hadn't thought about it for a long time. Because no, maybe it's well not, for motherhood. That's right. <laughs> and maybe they're no longer delinquent boys. Maybe that was the turning point in their life. Maybe it was away from they used to tie those jiffy fire lighters uh -huh. onto strings and, you know, light them up and, and throw them around as, like, fire bombs and things. Oh, such, yeah. such simpler times. Such different, <laughs> such different agendas. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, Kate... 
Well, when I look Jiffy in firelighters, <laughs> when I look in my badge of honour closet, I don't actually have that many because I don't know if I lean to that competitive environment where I get an actual material recognition. However, I am quite competitive. So there's a bit of a, a problem there. Two things spring to mind. I think it's quite an achievement being selected for Survivor. I, I um, don't think it was yeah, a goal, you can, but... You can mention that every time just, anyone asks you anything. Kate, remind us, how like many you? applicants were there? 20,000. And yeah, you were so one of 16? Uh, 24. 24. But I didn't set out as a big goal to actually, you know, be selected. However, I was keen to put my name in it and it happened. So that, that probably has to be there. And then I would say the other achievement is being uh, runners-up three times in a row of the Cobram C-grade women's singles. <laughs> That's in awesome. What, in what... <laughs> What year? Sorry, in what uh, sport? sport? Tennis. 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 Sorry, women's the Cobram singles. grass. Yeah, women's singles. It's not just grass. a way of life yeah. for us. Now, right. my achievement should be that I probably should practice more than once a year. I Three know. Times in a row. I know. So we are going in for this year. I have not played tennis since, but I will enter myself. Do you um, need a cheer squad? Yeah, yeah. I've, we'll all head up to I've Cobram. spent a lot of time working <laughs> no. on cheers in my time. The pro- I can tell you in a nutshell, the problem is by the time I get to the finals, I'm absolutely exhausted <laughs> right. and I have these young – because it's open, right? So yes. you have these young people who play tennis every week who are training five times a week as your competition. So yeah. just you know, doesn't really cut it to win. <laughs> but, you know, it's an achievement. Yeah, but if you can come runners-up for just like phoning it in, that's <laughs> – Pretty impressive. <laughs> Imagine what would happen if you truly put your I mind to it. I think of that every year, Nat, that I should, and March is coming and I haven't. So Yeah, because you've got heaps of free time, I'm sure. So <laughs> um, we've got a pretty juicy topic to talk about today. It's um uh it's it's been uh around uh everywhere. I think it's hard to ignore and it's and it shouldn't be ignored. So we're gonna delve right in. Today we're going to be talking about um me too and time's up and in particular the question being posed is how do movements such as me too and no more or time's up because that is another one how do those movements impact behavior of leaders in organize in organizations it's it's meaty and i think we've got to have quite a lot to say about it so can i can i get this started i um nat i invited you to uh you know join for the podcast and i sent you a text and you've been on parental leave, uh, and since we've last spoken to you, the wonderful little Flo has joined us, and in fact is in studio with us right now. Um, and um, we were texting each other, and uh, you said, "Oh, yeah, love to come along. Let's do another episode." And I want to talk about me too. And there's two parts here. I want to ask you the question: Why? What? What triggered that? And the second part is I want to tell you what my reaction was after I sent you a text that says I love it because I had a delayed reaction. But I want to ask you the question first up. um, Why was this important to you? Okay, why is it important to me? From the moment that this Harvey Weinstein... Weinstein... Weinstein? It's okay to get his name wrong. He's a terrible man. He can get his name wrong. From the moment that this story broke, my initial reaction and reaction to all the media that's followed that is this is actually fantastic to some extent. I don't like him, but what this does, and it was going to take Hollywood to create this, is awareness and now an intolerance for these behaviours that have existed for so long in organisations and in society. 
but until now had not got the attention or the spotlight that was required to actually change it. If you think about the number of people where these behaviours are just excused or people say, I didn't know any better, I thought that was normal. Now, because of the media and the spotlight that's placed on this, there is no excuse for any man or woman to say that they didn't know that those behaviours were not acceptable. So if I then think about my role and the role of leaders in organisations, it's about how do we harness this opportunity to create change? And then I look at it as being a female leader and I think there's such a huge opportunity right now to create change because of this momentum and because of the spotlight. And you mentioned Hollywood. It took Hollywood. So tell me more about that. What... So I think these issues have been around for a long time. They've yep. been in organisations and we've got policies and we've got people generally talking about the fact that, you know, we don't accept these things or whatever it is. But a lot of it, you know, oh, I'm a tradie and that's just what happens. Wolf whistling is OK, right? So depending on the organisation, I think it takes Hollywood and just this mass, you know, all of the celebrities who are getting behind this and the media who are promoting it, that again, there's just no excuse now for people not to know what behaviour. They they've got nothing to hide behind. Yep. But it will only actually change society. Like we have this window of opportunity and the change will only happen now if leaders get behind it and start thinking about and talking about and creating new policies or new behaviours or new ways of being to join that movement and to actually make change. Yep. Wow. So let me tell you what happened. Um, you said, let's talk about it. I responded fairly quickly yep. by text and I wrote two words, love it. And I did. And I did. And that was really genuine. And then I got nervous and I started to do what, I don't know, maybe others do. I started to go well, how are we going to talk about this? Who should be on the podcast? Should I have two males, two females? Should I have a lawyer involved? Not, not to get advice, but, you know, a lawyer who has background in all of this. Should I? And I'm starting to go, what the? What am I doing? What, what, what's going on? I'm playing this out of my head and I just want to talk about it. I just want to understand. I just want to have a conversation about it. And that's... The worst thing that could happen is we don't talk about it. That's right. And I think there's such an important role for it to be not just women who are talking about it. Oh, Men exactly. need to be part of the conversation. And as the majority of leaders in organisations at this point in time are male, it's absolutely imperative that they're part of the conversation. But no doubt that's scary. It is scary. Yeah. A mirror is very confronting. And I think this is what it's done. Yep. It is created a, a, mo a loud movement, as you said. So there's a huge voice that was a small voice. In fact, no voice in many instances because the voice was so intimidated and so emotionally scarred by it yep. and so confused because society wasn't it's just how it operated. There was this model, was, but it wasn't right. So the voice has been released, as you said. But then it creates a mirror. And a mirror is very personal around, well, what am I looking at? with my own behaviours yes. as male and female leaders, as organisations were related to. So we're looking backwards first. This is this, how do we actually have a conversation? People yeah. are looking back and they're trying to process it and then it's looking forward to say, well, what can I do differently? And I don't think we're there yet, are we? We're not in the forward looking just yet. We're still right smack bang in that oh. hard moment of what and, do I see? And there's a lot of people who I think are very, very scared because... 
often these behaviours are demonstrated by people who have some type of power over others. So I think you've got a lot of people who are very afraid of what they are seeing in the mirror Um, and then to look at that and then to say, okay, well, I need to, A, you know, how do I change my own behaviour or... How do, I, how do I let go of that? And then how do I create change in whatever the environment is that I work in? But, you know, I, I think we've got a really long way to go. Oh, completely. I know in the, uh, in the entertainment world and certainly in the world that I'm from, um, in improv with lots of improv companies, they're all rewriting or looking at their policies. They're looking at their code of conducts. Um, and so that's really exciting. And the core of it is trust. Trust has been broken down. Yes. And how you build that trust, and I think this is why there's this backward-looking piece, is trust in an organisation such as the Catholic Church. How do you rebuild that? And you need accountability. Mm. And with large, powerful institutions like that that are not providing transparency, whether it's finances or whether it's the behaviour of their members... And then accountability. It's very hard for people to look forward mm-hmm. and to say, how am I going to rebuild that trust mm-hmm. with Harvey Weinstein or with a number of... And it's, I think it's very powerful when we're seeing people are being held to account because that will help people repair. Yeah. Yes. I'd love... Um, oh, there's something about today's conversation that I'd, I'd almost love to feel like each person who's listening felt like they could... Uh, do something about it for themselves. So whether it's you know mm-hmm. the ability to look in the mirror, the ability to uh, acknowledge the role that they've played, uh, repair the past, predict the future. Um, but just prior to doing that, um, you mentioned Hollywood, and I think that makes sense at a global scale. It probably took somewhere something like the AFL. <laughs> in a place like Australia, which is so sporting-centric, rightly or wrongly, um, to make a decision. And the CEO of the AFL, without going into lots of detail, made a uh, pretty gutsy decision to move on to uh, executives uh, around uh, uh, misuse of trust, essentially, or misuse of power. And um, the moment that decision was made, um, because I get to spend time with executive teams... I can guarantee you it was the topic of conversation. Um, it was a topic of conversation. Interestingly, and, and I don't know quite how to, to articulate this properly, but not necessarily at the, the right table. It was the conversation they had over dinner. It was the conversation they had over wines. Um, at some level, I could reconcile and say that's at least they're having it. Um, but don't know that they were quite ready to talk about it in the formality of what does this really mean for us and what decisions do we need to make going forward. Um, because that's the looking in the mirror piece. It's, that's, that's the, the scary piece part. about when you're accountable. Mm. And if we look around a lot of, you know, the fact is, is that there's going to be senior people in organisations whose behaviour has not been inappropriate. Like, it's just the reality of it. If you look at the fact that one in five... Not not been appropriate. Not been appropriate. Has not been appropriate. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, You look at, you know, one in five women have been somehow sexually assaulted, right? One in in two women in their life have been harassed in some way at work, right? So there's a large number of people who are conducting those inappropriate behaviours. So it's a very then tough piece to battle because of that looking in the mirror and looking back. And it's also very hard to define um, what behaviour, you know, is appropriate and is not appropriate. And I think the thing that I'd love 
to get to is um, to never hear the words they didn't mean any harm by it or they were just having a bit of fun. They were probably words that I know people, you know, in my kind of career and and upbringing that you do hear that excuse that kind of behaviour. But in order to get there, we have to be very clear and help people understand and and understand what behaviour is okay and not. And one of the really interesting questions that I often want to ask a guy and Colin asked a question to you is, like, is there some kind of scientific hormonal thing where guys in some instances actually do not understand where the boundaries are and what behaviour is or not? Or do you think they just choose not to see it? Or does it need to be defined? Like, do we need to have policies, to your point, Amanda, about specifically what is okay and what's not okay? So let me speak on behalf of all men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, absolutely no pressure, but this is being recorded and, no, there's no pressure. This is a safe Um, space. I think men take a long time to grow up and they hold on to being a boy, to being not, you know, they hold on to the spirit of being a boy for as long as they can and sometimes they hold on to it forever. And um, to be a boy in a naive world is to be um, manly and masculine and... I think we do a lot of things not to be attractive to females, but to be attractive to other men, uh, to have friends and to have mates. Um, And I am struck by so much behaviour that is driven, sometimes completely out of awareness, and that is no excuse, but the need to be accepted amongst other boys and other men. So if that's treating a woman with contempt... Uh, and that's celebrated by other men, then I'll do it. Um, the um, sorry, the Dan Harmon, who is a um, writer and yep. creator of oh you, yeah, because you've yep. listened to me before. Yep. Did you read his apology? Do you know what I'm referring yes, to? Yes, I did. So yep. he's he's had a very um, uh, public. Uh, not just an accusation, he's, he's acknowledged that it happened. Um, a former writer of his, he, he wrote um, Community, the TV show Community, and um, he had an interaction um, with a staffer and uh, she, after Me Too, um, she came out and said, this is what happened to me. And his is one of the very few apologies that reads um, sincere. He acknowledges everything that's happened and he doesn't shy away from it. He, he does say something along the lines of the problem for him and his behaviour was he, he didn't – it's not that he didn't know what he was doing, it's just he didn't know – he didn't know what he was doing because he didn't know the motivation behind what he was doing and for him it was rejection. He had um, hit on his um, uh, staffer, his rider, and she rejected him and he then started treating her appallingly. Um, her eyes didn't, her um, ideas didn't get taken up. He made her work harder than anyone else. You know, he just, he, he zeroed in on her. And the thing is, is he just thought, I'm making the right decisions. And um, he acknowledges that now, he, like, it's because can she I, rejected him. And so he was, couldn't say it. So he yeah. was hurt. So he was dealing from hurt. It was the little hurt. boy's reaction to rejection. Yeah. Um, that's what I, yeah. the imagery I, I picture. Yeah, it's not great. It's not ideal, but it actually read honest. It's one of the few that read honest and, and it's this, interesting. And this is the thing, right? Like it's almost accepting. It's like all of these stories that are coming up about isolated incidents of these big or small things, right, yep. are actually not the point, right? Because yep. we all know they exist and they're out there. So surfacing them yep. is 
a step. That's right? right. And it's acknowledged. But we don't need to hone into every example or, or hear the stories. We all need to be thinking, and especially as leaders, of well, what do we do now to change the culture and to change the way that these behaviours happen. But I think repairing it, there has to be some acknowledgement because he is an unusual... You know, unfortunately... That has taken a lot of self-reflection and self-awareness mm. for him to get there. The classic is, no, it didn't happen. So then you have women again who, largely women, who there are some different groups, but who have felt intimidated. They are brave enough to speak up and then they're told again, actually, your facts are not right. Yeah. So actually there is some work to be done around accountability to say, no, actually, I hear you. And hearing people is a very powerful mending process. And for those people to say, I'll take accountability. I got there because of this. It doesn't repair, it doesn't check. But that acknowledgement then allows people to move on. Um, and having been at the Year 8 Information Night for an all-boys school yesterday right, evening, wow. which the one thing that they are focused on, apart from courtesy, love a bit of manners, is taking accountability. Right. <laughs> and I can't help but... It is a skill that needs to be learned and I think men take less of it than women, of their behaviours. It's always someone else's fault and I think this is a similar thing and so when you take it right through to your story around I can really identify with it, they're bruised because of rejection, they're bruised because of power, they're bruised because of pride, of course they're going to act out and so it's a massive shift that needs to happen for that actual self-awareness to occur. And then for leaders to be brave enough. Yeah. You know, even you were thinking about this podcast, Colin, thinking, oh, I'm a bit scared of that. Mm. You can see in organisations that there's going to be this real fear to talk about it, to look in the mirror and acknowledge it's happened in every single workplace and then be able to think, okay, well, how do we change this moving forward? But I think it's going to take, to some extent, um, I do believe that probably in some instances... Um, it's going to take a brave few to ensure that the conversations are had at those executive tables in order to create the change because it is a tough conversation and it is tough to look in the mirror. People will naturally shy away from it or revisit their policies and revisiting your policies is a great place to start. But how do you create the conversation and actually create the change is the question for leaders now. And there's also that element of, um, from the female perspective as well, of a lot of the instances that um, we hear where there's a bigger story is about um, a prolonged uh, incidence of things happening. And I guess now we feel, certainly myself, feel a lot more confident and a lot more powerful at the beginning to go, nope, not acceptable. Yeah. And yeah. that hopefully yeah. is, and if that's supported, mm. if that's supported mm. by leaders in it's the workplace, if that's supported in every workplace, that it's okay, I can still work with you. I can say, yeah. you know what, I don't, no, nah, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, and that's called a revolution. Yeah. Because we're trying to unwind and say, well, we're talking uh, – we're arguing the facts, whereas if it had have been reported, and it's a big step to report it. Oh, completely. Because you need it's that. But in the moment, then the organisation would be held accountable of what did you do. And there's no excuse for men now. And this is where the media and this piece is actually fantastic from a Donald Trump, Trump perspective, from a Harvey Weinstein perspective, it's fantastic because... Women can't question themselves over thinking, well, maybe he doesn't know or maybe, you know, we all know. Maybe that that's a system. Not a, maybe, maybe that's, that's a, a system. system. That's right. 
And so everybody needs to lead by example and have the bravery to call it out because yeah. there are no more excuses and that kind of behaviour shouldn't be tolerated. Yes, and we should never get to a point now where it's so extreme. It can be just um, – and we talk about that, you know, that awkward conversation yeah. in um, all the time, not as in we talk about how to have um, – difficult conversations in yes. the workplace or in anything and, and it is, it's early rather than later. So hopefully that the the part of um, the, the, the empowering part for women is to be able to go, all right, I'm not going to let that pass because next time it happens it'll probably be worse or next time or, or, you know, you find that, you know, one year in you're dealing with someone that is actually making it impossible to work with or work beside. So I hope that certainly from... Um, a base level point of view is that leaders can support that, that, that people are allowed to... If I could just fire up for a bit. <laughs> um, one thing I invite my um, you know, male counterparts to do is stop using crappy excuses like I'm doing this for my daughter. Oh, yeah, great. Um, Thank you. It's uh, that the only way you can empathise is because you've got a daughter like that. Come on, grow up. Just yeah. grow up. That's not the... Yeah, that might be a reason to do it, but Jesus, that's not the reason to do it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's for it's, every it's, person out there that that's has right. been um, right. victimised in so some I, way. So I ask us, maybe the thematically I'm actually asking us all to grow up. Um, I'm wondering whether um, part of this needs to be men being able to talk with men about this um, and not in the bullshit way that they've done in the past, but in a real way. Because uh, they are scared. You know, fundamentally, we are all, all scared and... Um, just being able to reveal that. And the other most pragmatic thing I think I can say is um, thank goodness for what whatever the reason is, if you're out there and you're appointing uh, an, a female executive, I can feel confident and optimistic that we will see generational change because it will happen. It's, um, you know, white men have stuffed a lot of things up and uh, it's time for us to finish up. <laughs> Um, and I think that's the Donald Trump of the world. He's the last bastion of the fat, overweight, white, male, uh, however else you want to describe him. His time's up. He's holding on tight. And we're, we, they all are. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's only a matter of a couple of years before it's over. And I think it's to Nat's point, it has to be so clearly in our face that, in yeah. fact, you wonder how why, and books will be written about it, why Donald Trump was supported in yep. the mass. Oh, my goodness. That it is so glaringly obvious. Now everyone's like, I can't look at it anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, and what we do now, we're in this paralysed state in the US of we can't look, we can't look, but how do we move on? And I think, you know, connecting in Hollywood, etc. But it does come down to who is listening to this around what they can do. Yeah. Because we can read about yep. Donald Trump. You know, it's, yep. it's very out there in Hollywood, out there in the US and in our Australian parliament. It's <laughs> being talked about whether it's being resolved in a way that we agree. I'll leave that to us to decide. Yeah. But I think it's what do you do when you wake up every day and how can you actually, as a male or a female, contribute to a better working environment? Yeah. With... um. Getting to that pointy end um, of the conversation, do we have, um, I guess, in, in not necessarily takeaways, but I felt like that was the beginning of an action plan. Does everyone have an idea of um, what that action plan might be for them, their workplace or their... I don't know whether this is enough, uh, but I, I wonder whether it's the... F um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I had never thought about the power of the mirror uh, as much as I've thought about it 
as part of this conversation. Um, and if you have, so if you haven't done it yet, look in the mirror. Um, I looked in the mirror. Uh, Kate, you and I met at university, and I reflected um, on a couple of things about my behaviour at university, and um, that I had no idea until the last twelve months was actually completely off the mark. Right. And I was, I'm embarrassed by it. I'm actually embarrassed. And it took me to share that with my son, Will, who's 15, who just looked at me and said, Dad, you did what? And I could just look in and see in his eyes that he was actually genuinely disappointed in me. And he, he didn't excuse that it was 25 years ago. Like, yeah. mm. that, didn't, that didn't cut it. Mm. Like, Dad, are It's you so serious? black and white for the younger generation. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like shit, but I needed to. <laughs> Yeah, and, um, and, and he's seeing, like, he's obviously being led by someone who knows. Like, so. But that is so brave. <laughs> yeah. And such an amazing step rather than your son following in footsteps. Yeah, of exactly. Of a general kind of aura of seeing some disrespect or anything else. Like, that is actually changing a generation by looking at it in the mirror and acknowledging it that it happened. I didn't feel brave. I felt like shit. I'm sure. <laughs> but that's what. That's the kind of behaviour that's required to change yeah. it yeah, forever and to create that revolution that you spoke about, Kate. Yeah, to talk with to talk with our boys, to talk with our our boys and show them, um, Colin, that's <laughs> really moving. That's really amazing. Oh. But I think yeah. the follow-on question, and I've yep. had this with both my children, is what would you do differently? What would you do differently if you were the one with power and what would you do differently if you were the receiver? Or the yeah. thing, you know? And there is plenty of material to scenario test that with yeah. them yeah. and I think they have a clearer view around tolerances but I think making sure people have the confidence to what would you do yeah. if you have behaved in a way that you're not respecting yourself or if you're the receipt of that, that is the piece that I think we need to help people with yeah, because okay. it's really easy to say that didn't feel good but, gee, it takes the confidence and the bravery yeah. to speak up. That's Absolutely. Right. And I think um, just calling it out, so teaching people, whether it is man-to-man and rather laughing at what happened, saying, mate, that wasn't really cool, yeah. whether it's a younger person, you know, as a female in an organisation or a young man in an organisation today, if something did happen, calling it out and saying it's not okay. And, I, yeah. and then I think as leaders it's about having those tough t- conversations around the executive table and really holding that mirror up to the organisation and maybe even explore, okay, despite our policies, what is the undercurrent of behaviour here? Yes. And as an executive table, are we demonstrating all of the behaviours and are we clear about... Because we what, all know policies don't drive... Behaviour. Behavior. That's right. And yeah. and how do we really hold the mirror up to the organisation yeah. in an honest way and explore what's happening here? Exactly. Because there's that great saying, um, the behaviour we walk past is the behaviour we accept. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really amazing place to start is just to make sure that we don't walk past it anymore. And I don't think we can. I think um, I'd, I'd be very hard-pressed to find anyone who says that um, that they don't feel like it's it's – it's being called that. We, well, we that have this moment stuck. in time right now to create a revolution, to your point. We have a moment in time where this is a topic that is of conversation and has enough movement behind it to create some real change. And either we grab hold of it and run with it and create that revolution or it just sort of fades away and we won't see any change yeah. for the younger women and men who are 
Well, we at Leadership of Fools are definitely going to grab hold of it and run with it. Um, Kate, to finish. And finally, I would encourage everyone to talk about your stories. It's really important for people to be informed who are not of the generation. Yes. So they understand it. So there's big mind shifts that need to take place and it doesn't happen based on a hashtag. No. It actually ha- it happens because you have empathy for someone. It may be your daughter yes. that is the catalyst, but for them to understand the experience so people are heard. Yeah. So where you have an opportunity to share a story, um, I would encourage you to do that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This was a really important conversation to have and I think just the beginning of many conversations around this topic. Um, Let's keep talking and for now, let's keep sailing. That was a great conversation, tough conversation, important conversation. I've reframed, relabeled the episode, Do Something Helpful Now. And unlike other episodes where we've had three hits, I have one request, one thing. Do something helpful, meaningful now. On our website, I've actually included a list of about 10 different things you can do to make a real difference. Leadership of Fools is a Somersault production. Somersault works with organisations through transformation and growth. Please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or wherever you do your listening. And don't forget to visit leadershipoffools.com.